Please turn these sacred scriptures to John chapter 21. The sacred scriptures of the Holy God. The revelation of truth that is hid from the world, but made known unto us. In John chapter 21, we have the third appearance of our resurrected Lord Jesus Christ to his disciples. Jesus, according to the first verse, showed himself to them at the Sea of Tiberias. And then John said, on this wise, he showed himself and he tells us the details. Peter had said, I go a-fishing, in verse 3. And some other disciples said, we go a-fishing with thee. And so there was a group of the disciples at sea all night. They caught nothing. In the morning, they saw a man on the seashore. The lover of my soul. Right. He was on the seashore and he said, children... Have you caught anything? Nothing. Nothing. He said, try the other side of your boat. Try the other side of your ship. They cast their net in again and found 153 great fish. These were no minnows that you cast back. 153 great fish. The boat began to sink. The impetuous one and I hope that if I'm ever impetuous, I'm impetuous in holy causes. Right. Grabbed his father's coat, flung it around himself, and dove in. Because he knew it was the Lord. It was the Lord Jesus Christ, the lover of his soul. The one who had foolishly denied him to a little maid three times, cast himself into the water, made it to shore to see his Lord. John could stay back there in the boat and come dry shod to shore, not Peter. Right. Let's love him for what we should love him for. He loved his Savior, and he wanted to show some zeal to make up for what he had done. Jesus cooked them breakfast. Verse 15, let me read to you. So when they had dined. Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved. Because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Yes. 
Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. I say to you this day, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, lovest thou me. Peter had made his boast the night before, the night of our Lord's trial and crucifixion, saying that though all men would be offended in thee, I will never be offended. And the all men he had reference to were the men that were standing around that gathering, the other apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, Jesus' first question is, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He wasn't asking him, do you love me more than 153 fish? There's no comparison. He wasn't asking Simon, do you love me more than you love the other disciples? He was asking Simon if his boast of a few days earlier was true, that he loved Jesus more than the other apostles. You will not see that expression again when Jesus repeated the question the second time and the third time. Because Peter did not respond that way. Peter said, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He knew he had failed his Lord and Master. He was not quite so confident. And we should not be confident when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, but we should cast ourselves upon his mercy and, and ask him to look at the integrity of our hearts because he knows all things. Right. And he knows that we love him. But let's show him our love. I want you to love the Lord Jesus Christ this day. I'm his ambassador. I'm a poor one at that. I shouldn't be one. But the Lord Jesus Christ is the lover of sinners. And do you love him today? I will arise and go to Jesus. He will embrace me in his arms. In the arms of my dear Savior. Oh, there are 10,000 charms. Simon Peter cast himself into the sea. We don't have to do that today. You can just sit and pay attention for a few minutes because I will not be long and I will not be complicated. My soul right now is not very complicated. Do we love the Lord Jesus Christ as we should? He is a worthy Savior. He's the lover of our souls. No one has ever done anything even close to what Jesus Christ has done for you. All men that you claim to be your friends combined together cannot amount to even a shadow of His love for you. He laid down His life for you when He was innocent and you were the sinner. He has promised you eternal wealth and riches and glory untold. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He will be a constant and faithful friend. He is your brother and high priest forever. And he lives with one ambition. To make intercession for your soul that you can be saved to the uttermost. You have no other object in heaven or on earth like the Lord Jesus Christ. By object I mean person. And do you love him today? Simon, 
Son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? I would be wrong to encourage us in any ungodly emulation. But there is godly emulation. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 11 said that he he hoped that he could provoke his own countrymen by emulation. To stir up their love of Christ. And I wonder who loves the Lord Jesus Christ the most in this assembly. If you outlove me, praise the God of heaven. We have a worthy Savior of your greatest love. But I'm going to press you to your duty. And I'm going to press you to your privilege. Do you love the Lord Jesus Christ more than anyone else? I don't want us to have foolish and vain and haughty thoughts of self-righteousness. But I want you to be stirred up. Where do you stand? Or are you a bear lover of Christ? Or are you really no lover at all? Where, where is your soul this day? Lovest thou me more than these? Jesus asked Peter. Jesus asked Peter three times because three times Peter had denied the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no play on the word love in these verses. I don't care how good the sermon was that you have heard about the difference between agape and phileo. There is no difference. There's no more difference between agape and phileo than there is between love and charity in your King James Bibles. The reason that Jesus asked three times was not because he finally got to phileo love the third time. It's because Peter had denied him three times, and so Jesus asked three times to make sure and to remind Peter and to gently rebuke him for what he had done. I also want you to notice in these three verses, 15, 16, and 17, Jesus did not tell Peter to have a mystical experience about his love. I don't care if you were to go home with just that question, lovest thou me? He asks us. We deny him every day, in a sense. Every day that we get too excited about the things of this world instead of him. Every day that we can live 24 hours, 16 to 18 of those awake, and not think upon our love of him. We deny him. Lovest thou me? Why are our hearts so cold and barren? When we consider the love of Christ that we ought to have, this isn't words. We can't do it with words. It's our hearts. Our brother already said that well. Knowledge doesn't prove it. The Pharisees had lots of knowledge, but they didn't love the lover of sinners. Public performance isn't anything. It's just going to bring greater judgment for us playing the hypocrite in public. Before the God of heaven, we're all on a level playing field. Do you know what we all are? Sinful scum saved by grace. I hope I didn't offend you. I speak as a fool. If you don't like that, I hope I did offend you. But listen, you you can bask in the grace of God because if Jesus Christ loves me, he can easily love you. And if he could take a Gadarene and turn him to love his son, Jesus Christ, then the Lord can turn your heart to love him more. And I want him to turn mine to love him more. I grieve about the deadness of my soul, the barrenness of my flesh, and the weakness to love Jesus Christ as I ought 
Behold my heart and see. And I trust that in our hearts there's plenty of love for the Lord Jesus Christ. We must hate pride and self-righteousness that causes coldness to Christ and haughtiness about others. Pride and self-righteousness keeps us from realizing how sinful we are and what the consequences of our life should bring us. The consequences of our lives should bring us eternal torment and the total forsaking of our souls by the God of heaven so that we would fall into the abyss of loneliness and be separated forever from the presence of God. But instead he sent his son to enter that abyss for us and had the loneliness on the cross of my God, my God. Why hast thou forsaken me? Why hast thou forsaken me? Do you love him? He's the lover of sinners. Amen. He loved even Peter. Thank you, Lord, for telling us all about Peter in the Bible. Peter's of great comfort to my soul. I make Peter look like the saint he is. But Peter gives me great hope in the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. We've got to hate our pride and our self-righteousness. It will not allow us to realize how sinful we are the consequences of that sin that we deserve and how much Jesus Christ did for us first. Then it will also cause us to look down and disdain to feed the lambs of God that we are in some way better than they are. God save us from such a wicked spirit. Peter thought that he was the greatest of the apostles and had not proven himself to be such. He told the Lord Jesus Christ that he would never be offended and Jesus said, Peter... Satan has desired to have all of you, disciples. Go look at the pronouns. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Feed my lambs. Peter was a better man for it afterwards. And we can thank the Lord of heaven. What a savior and a bishop and shepherd of our souls that is able to take an event like Peter's denial and make him a better man for it. By teaching him some humility, tearing away his self-righteousness, his overconfidence, and reducing him to, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. I know you've got to look inside me, Lord, because I just denied you. But I do love you. If you love the Lord Jesus Christ, then you're going to love those that are begotten of him. You are going to love the saints of God. It is easy to look through the whole assembly And measure by that criteria. How much do you do for the other saints in this church? And is what you do extended to all of them? How much do you love them? Your love of them reflects your love of Christ. Feed my lambs. I hope you remember that. Let's go to Luke chapter 7. Where hopefully you read last evening about a woman that was a sinner. And a Pharisee that wasn't a sinner. Or so he thought. Oh, are you more like Simon the Pharisee? More like the woman that was a sinner? I want to be the woman who's like a, who's a sinner. He had the Lord Jesus, she had the Lord Jesus Christ turn to her and speak to Simon and rebuke him for his self-righteous arrogance. And for despising the Lord Jesus Christ. And disbelieving that he was a prophet because he was letting a sinner touch him. 
The Lord Jesus Christ had to deal with this spirit of the Pharisees over and over and over again. And it is a spirit that we must hate with all our might. You will lose the precious privilege of today if you allow even an ounce of Phariseeism in your soul. I've preached on it last Sunday morning. I preached on it Wednesday night. I want you to think about the beauty of the privilege that we have this day. To love the Lord Jesus Christ as we should and to show it to others. All of us. We're all on a level playing field. We're all the same. Right. Sinners saved with the grace of God. Amen. The house of Simon the Pharisee, Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. Where do you fall on the scale between self-righteous Simon and the humble, repentant, sinful woman? Where do you fall? Are you in the middle? You're half and half? Are you more toward Simon or are you more toward the woman? Or are you down there with the woman? Are you down there with the woman? Kissing the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thankful for His mercy and His forgiveness. Anointing those feet with an alabaster box of ointment. Kissing them. Wiping them with the hairs of her head. And bathing them with the tears of her thankfulness. And then we hear the lesson that the Lord Jesus Christ brought out of it. What made the difference? Simon thought too highly of himself to appreciate what Jesus Christ had done for him. Right. He thought it worst. He had sinned 50 pence. And the woman had sinned 500 pence. But do you know what the Bible says in that same verse that tells us the 10 to 1 relationship? When we think we're 10 times better than someone else? Neither had anything to pay. They were both in debt. And one pence before a holy God is enough to cast our souls into eternity without the presence of God and under everlasting judgment. He was foolishly wrong. He was profanely hypocritical. He was wickedly evil in his self-righteousness. We don't want to be like him at all. Where's the love of the Lord Jesus Christ? He was more worried about setting the table with his best china than he was the Lord Jesus Christ. The woman didn't care what was on the table. She just wanted the feet that were behind the table. Is that where is that your soul today? Oh, you've got to lift up your soul right now. By the power of the Holy Ghost, you can lift it up right now. Lord, forgive me for not loving your son like I should and help me to love him more right now. I cannot lift it for you. I can only give you the precious words of God and pray as I have that God by His Holy Spirit will lift up your hearts to love the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be filled with love for Him and love for His. Because we get to show them both to this day. Did you enjoy those six songs we sang? Are you singing with joy in your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ? I will arise and go to Jesus. I know how many times I've used it. Do you know that I can keep track of things like that? He will embrace me in his arms. In the arms of my dear Savior. Oh, there are 10,000 charms. Are you a lover of the Lord Jesus Christ? Where do you stand in this congregation? Are you in the upper quartile or the bottom quartile? Oh, Lord. Put us all in the upper quartile. Please, Lord. Like this woman. This sinful woman. 
They both owed the God of heaven. They both had nothing to pay. They were equal sinners. The 50 and 500, that's just because that's what Simon thought on his best days. You know, sometimes the Bible, Jesus says things to accommodate the false views of his hearers. They were both sinners. Except Simon's sin of self-righteousness was far greater than the prostitution of the great woman that was a sinner in that city. Do you know why? Because self-righteousness is blinding and deceiving. So blinding and deceiving because you think you're righteous when you're not. You're a whited sepulcher. Jesus would say inside are dead men's bones, but you paint yourself up for public appearance. The prostitute knows she's a loser in society. Not all of them. The ones that the Lord Jesus Christ touched. Right. And she came and fell at the feet of Jesus. Do you know what? There's always a place for prostitutes at the feet of Jesus Christ. But there's no place for Pharisees at the feet of Jesus. Isn't that it? So, so what do I need to come to the feet of Jesus? A bunch of sins. Right. That doesn't mean we sin in order to, for God to show us righteousness. Because Romans 3 warns us against such a wicked attitude. Right. But if you're a sinner and that's all you have, no seminary degree like Simon the Pharisee, I will arise and go to Jesus. He will embrace me in his arms. She arose when she heard that Jesus was eating in Simon the Pharisee's house. And she snuck in past the butler. And she got in there. And while they were laid out on their couches eating at the table in the fashion of the Jews, she came up behind Jesus and got a hold of his feet and began kissing them and weeping on them because she was a lover of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he was a lover of her. We love him because he first loved us. He had already forgiven her in the eternal counsels of the God of heaven. And by his covenant of death on the cross, he had already forgiven her. But she needed the reassurance for her soul. And that's why you have at the end of this passage... Forgiven leads to much love, leads to forgiveness. Did you, did you see that when you read that passage? She came forgiven. She loved him much because she was forgiven. She had the reassurance of the words of the Lord Jesus Christ and what music they should be. Amen. Thy sins be forgiven thee. Oh, thy sin, thy. Is that to the room full of men or to one woman? Thy. She alone, thy sins be forgiven thee. Simon's were still on him because he couldn't see them and didn't feel their burden. Oh, let's love being a sinner saved by grace. Right. Who are we? Mo- am I most like Simon the Pharisee or am I most like the woman? Before God right now, where are you? You most like Simon or more like the woman? You know, Simon wanted to have a nicely formal feast. The woman didn't care about anything except getting to those feet. A disgraceful sight. Pouring ointment all over feet. Bawling her eyes out. Disgraceful in the eyes of the world. Beautiful in the eyes of saints. Amen. Are you willing to let down your hair and dance without your kingly robes on with all your might before the ark of God? Right. Even if you've got a wife at home that makes fun of you? You know, let there, let there be souls in this church, if they choose to be this way, that despise those who are great lovers of Jesus Christ. Let them come and stand before that king someday. I am his ambassador, and he will have the last laugh on all those that have despised hard-worshipping lovers of Christ. Right. We should be willing to give up any pretensions 
and stoop to the lowest lamb in God's flock. If the truth be told, if there's any difference between you and the lowest scum in this church, it is a gift from God and has nothing to do with your ability. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 tells us, Why do you glory in the things that you have, being that you received them, meaning they were given to you by God? There is no difference. We're all sinners, enemies of God on one hand, and we're all the children of God on the other hand, adopted by the Lord Jesus Christ. Is there a lamb in all thy flock I would disdain to feed? Feed my lambs. Did he? Off goes Peter. He fed the sheep on the, you know, in Acts chapter 1. He fed the lambs in Acts chapter 2 when he preached on the day of Pentecost, lifting up the Lord Jesus Christ. This woman here, is it easy for you to be content or occupied with the dinner and miss the illustrious guest? Is it easy for you to come in here and sit through the motions of our religious worship that God's called us to, but forget why we're here, the person that's involved? Let's not come in this place and worry about singing our Elto correctly. Let's come in this place and worry about singing to Jesus Christ correctly, which means with all our heart, whether it's alto or someplace in between alto and tenor. That sounds like a wolf howling. Because that doesn't matter. It's where is your heart. Lovest thou me. The blessing of the gospel is this. You get to have the question asked from God's word by his ambassador before you stand before him. That is a privilege. Therefore, let's prepare our hearts that if we were to meet him today, he knows that we truly do love him. And that we have chased every cursed idol out that would dare to rival him. Is it easy? For you to observe the faults of others while you miss most of your own? That's Simon the Pharisee. We want to hate that. Let's spot all our own faults first. Is it easy for you to be ruled by formality to never come close to emulating the woman? You know, when I call some of you Presbyterians, and that doesn't mean that the ex-Presbyterians still act like Presbyterians because some of the ex-Presbyterians in here are more Baptist or more like New Testament than others. Is the formality of your religion following rules, or is it a love of Christ? Is it easy for you to begrudge forgiving others, though needing much or more yourself? It should excite you. Because he did. You know, we, often, we so often quote Jeremiah nine twenty three and 24. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, the mighty man in his strength, or the wise man in his wisdom, but let him glory in this, that he knows and understands me, that I am the Lord which exercise loving kindness and righteousness and judgment in the earth. And that judgment is fair and equitable dealings. That I do those things in the world, the loving kindness of the Lord. Do you understand the loving kindness of the Lord? Those that seek him will understand it, and they'll want to show it to others. Oh, let's be like this woman at the feet of Jesus. If the Lord Jesus Christ were to come in here this day, if you have any carnal thoughts about any, if you are carnally minded at all, you would not love him to that degree. 
If you were spiritually minded, you would love him because he is the most beautiful object in the universe. He is the glory of God in a human body. He is a perfect priest, brother, friend, captain, lord, bishop, shepherd of your soul. Where would you be? Who would be first in line at the ankles of the Lord Jesus Christ? Who would be first to kiss his feet? You can, ask, you can find out how quickly you would be there by how much you love the, his that are in this room. That's one of the ways. Look at Luke 15. Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15 has 32 verses. All the 32 verses are for one lesson. Self-righteousness stinks. The parable of the ten coins, the parable of the hundred sheep, and the parable of the prodigal son are all for one purpose. To condemn self-righteousness. That a coin that was lost and recovered is worth celebrating. That a sheep that was lost and recovered is worth celebrating. And it's the wicked attitude of the older brother at the end of Luke 15 that's the real object of Luke 15. Luke 15 is not teaching dads how to love their sons. It's not telling sons what to do when they're sinners out in a pig pen. Those are all indirect lessons we get from it. The main lesson is to answer the first two verses of the chapter is because Pharisees and scribes were looking upon the Lord Jesus Christ and despised him in their hearts because he sat and ate with sinners and publicans. The story of the prodigal is not about the prodigal. The story of the prodigal is about the older brother and to condemn those men that stood there and watched Jesus eat with sinners. He's the lover of sinners. But self-righteous men hate him being the lover of sinners. Self-righteous men don't like forgiving sinners. Self-righteous men wonder why they aren't getting all the attention. Self-righteous men want somebody else to have to pay another pound of flesh. Self-righteous men say he hasn't repented long enough. Self-righteous men say if you're going to throw a feast for him, you need to throw a feast for me. Son. Son. Thou art ever with me. Everything I have is yours. We eat and fare well every day. This thy brother was dead. And is alive. He was lost. But he's found. We should make merry. That is the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I am preaching this message right now for you to have two opportunities this day. To choose to love Jesus Christ more and to choose to love his saints more. If you squander this opportunity, then let it be your loss. Because it will be a loss. Today is an opportunity and a privilege. God has opened the door of heaven for you to have a heavenly privilege this day. And if you squander it by any such thoughts in your heart, you lose the blessing. Let us love the Lord Jesus Christ with all that we've got. And let us love all that we're going to do this day with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Let us have nothing in us like the older brother. Yes, when a woman finds a coin, she calls her neighbors and says, I found the lost one. Let's celebrate. Because that's appropriate. And that's what Jesus was doing sitting with sinners and publicans. He was celebrating recovered sinners. And Jesus would explain in the first ten verses, there is more joy in heaven 
over one sinner that repents than 90 and 9 just persons that need no repentance. There is no such thing as a just person that needs no repentance. Jesus was accommodating the wicked attitude of the Pharisees. That one sinner in heaven was worth 99 of them who didn't think that they were sinners. There were all sinners. And it was appropriate that it, we should make merry. And they began to make merry. And we're going to make merry. Yes, we are. Oh, yes, we are. Every, every piece of buffalo shrimp you put in your mouth this evening, let's make merry. Let's make merry with Mary. Amen. Are you ready to make merry with Mary? Amen. Are you ready to use buffalo shrimp? And I don't speak as... I, listen, if we knew there was something better than buffalo shrimp, we'd get it. We want to throw them down with pleasure. Absolutely. We can start your diet tomorrow. And we want to rejoice in it. Do you know, that's what Luke 15 is about. Oh, let's not begrudge a single thing. Let's go for it. Amen. Let me give you one more thought. I've, I haven't done a very good job. If I measure myself by my outline, don't say anything. Let me give you another thought. If you don't learn to be like the woman at the feet of Jesus, and if you don't learn to be like the Father in Luke 15, and if you don't learn to be like Peter and love Jesus, here's what he's going to do to you. Turn to 2 Kings 20. Second Kings 20. The Lord will not let you... Stay in self-righteousness free. If you choose self-righteousness and get puffed up and do not want to love Christ as you should and love others as you should, He is going to expose you by turning you over to sin. Watch. I speak of the King Hezekiah. In 2 Kings chapter 20, we have the full story, it's also in Isaiah 38, about the sickness of Hezekiah. The first sentence of the beginning of the chapter tells you, in those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. And you can read the whole account, which we've been over before, which is not my point right now, except this. God gave him 15 years. God guaranteed him 15 years by having the sundial of Ahaz go back 10 degrees right in his sight. The shadow went backwards. To prove to Hezekiah that he was going to get 15 more years. Hezekiah got puffed up in those 15 years. And this goes on to describe that after his healing, it's right at verse 12. Right at verse 12. At that time, Barodak Baladan, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present unto Hezekiah, for he had heard that Hezekiah had been sick. I want you to notice the order of events. Hezekiah got sick. Hezekiah got healed. Then the king of Babylon sends an ambassador to see King Hezekiah and bring him a gift. And while he's there, Hezekiah opens up the treasuries of the house of God and shows the pagan ambassador from Babylon all the riches that Israel had because Hezekiah was a very rich king. And then Isaiah comes back to Hezekiah and says, What you have done is you have shown the riches of this nation to the king Babylon, and Babylon is going to come and take them all away. And we're not given much commentary. But come over to Second Chronicles 32. 
Second Chronicles 32, where we have some commentary. Verse 24, Second Chronicles 32, 24. This is, what, this is one of the things I fear about us. I preached last Sunday, I preached on Wednesday, I, Wednesday, and I preached this morning for this purpose. I want us to get the full benefit of what we get to do this day. We get to worship the Lord Jesus Christ, and we get to show our affection and love and forgiveness and comfort to a couple brethren. And everyone else. Because we're all on the same level playing field. I do not want us to miss this blessing for you individually, for you as a family, and for us as a church. I want the God of heaven to be smiling upon us to see that we are so committed to forgiveness and love and mercy and abundant pardon that we are like him. And that he delights in us and he blesses us for it. That is what I want for you. To the merciful, thou wilt show thyself merciful. I want God's mercy going around you, over you, under you, through you, the rest of your life, and the life of your children, and the lives of your children's children. I want that for myself, and I want that for you as much as I do myself, if God is my witness. That is why there is no problem. The problem is, can we reach a little higher to glorify God and bless Him? And be more like the Lord Jesus Christ. You second guess me too much. I'm, I'm, I'm accusing no one or charging no one. Just don't think that way. Think how much better can we be as a church? How much better can I be as a person, as a father, as a husband, as a, as a family? To be full of mercy and good fruits. Because that man is going to be one blessed man. Where do you want to start reading? He's going to be a blessed man. Second Chronicles 32, here's if we don't take advantage of today. Verse 24, in those days Hezekiah was sick to the death and prayed unto the Lord and he spake unto him and he gave him a sign. Now see, that's all of Second Kings 20 in one verse. Or the first two-thirds of it in one verse. You okay? But we're going to get a commentary here. But, but, Hezekiah rendered not again according to the benefit done unto him. For his heart was lifted up. Therefore there was wrath upon him and upon Judah and Jerusalem. I want you to despise a lifted up heart of all your might. And do you know how it get, how do you know it's lifted up? If you think one negative, critical, disdainful thought about another person in this assembly. You, I, am the lowest scum in here. And we are to think more highly of others than we do ourselves. We are to think upon their things and not our things. We are to render according to the benefit that we have received. Hezekiah got no benefit. Who cares about 15 more years in this life? Do you know what those 15 years were like for him? They were a bunch of trouble. That is no great benefit. Do you know what our great benefit is? Eternal life. It's a little bit longer than 15 years. It's the complete forgiveness of sins. Have, are we returning the benefit? He got puffed up. His heart was lifted up. He rendered not according to the benefit. We've been given a benefit. I want to render that benefit to others. I've been forgiven. I want to forgive. Right. You've been forgiven. Do you want to forgive? Amen. There was wrath upon him. I don't want wrath upon any of you or me. Verse 26, notwithstanding, in spite of the fact that his heart was lifted up, Hezekiah humbled himself for the pride of his heart, both he and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the wrath of the Lord came in upon them in the days of Hezekiah. 
<laughs> There's the mercy of God again. Couldn't you listen? If I'd have given a man 15 more years and he took that 15 years and used it against me, I'd have ripped the 15 years away and I wouldn't have shown him any more. Because he doesn't deserve it. Do you hear my old man talking? Amen. Do you want to hear my new man talking? Here's my new man. Notwithstanding, Hezekiah humbled himself for the pride of his heart, both he and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the wrath of the Lord came not upon them in the days of Hezekiah. Then it tells us in four verses how great Hezekiah was. He was incredibly rich, very prosperous, and all that he did. Come down to verse 31. It go, it jump, it's jumping around. It's not chronological right here. It's just giving a quick summary of his life in a few verses. Verse 31. How be it? In, though he was great, verses 27, 28, 29, 30, though he was very great, how be it? In contrast to that greatness, in the business of the ambassadors of the princes of Babylon, who sent unto him to inquire of the wonder that was done in the land, shadow going backward, him getting better, God left him. God left him. God left him. God left him. Right. If God leaves you, you have nothing. You have no strength. Right. If Jesus Christ doesn't pray for you, your faith will fail. As Peter, when Jesus let Satan have him for a little while. God left him to try him. That he might know all that was in his heart. God already knew what was in his heart. God needed Hezekiah to know what was in his heart. Do you know what's in your heart? If we do not admit right now, together, what's in our hearts, it is dark and wild within. That's right. That's why we sang that today. It's all dark and wild in there. If we don't admit that, and that we are wild gadarenes, then the Lord will leave us to try us to show us what's in our hearts. And you do not want him to do that. In the matter of the business of the ambassador from Babylon, God left him to try him. One little verse of commentary. The Bible's a decent commentary on itself, isn't it? When you ask me what's the best commentary you can buy, buy yourself another King James Bible. Then you can read two of them. Let one interpret the other. You say, how would that help me? Read 2 Kings 20 and read 2 Chronicles 32 and get excited that you just read the commentary of the Holy Spirit of God. But my warning is this. I do not want this happening to anyone. I do not want God to leave us. God left David. Did God expose what was in David's heart? It took him minutes and he wanted Israel numbered. How many men died for it? 70,000. Don't worry, they were all guilty. Did it make David better? Why don't you go read about where David met the Lord, with his, the angel of the Lord with his sword drawn on Mount Moriah, at the very spot where the temple was to be built. Because that was the sacrifice for the nation of Israel, with David offering it at his own expense. Remember that whole story? Yes. That's where the temple of God was built, right there on that spot. The Bible says the Lord moved David to number Israel. 2 Samuel 24, 1. 1 Chronicles 21, 1. Satan moved David. God gave David over to Satan for a little while. Peter denied Jesus Christ three times a few hours after he had said, I will never deny you, even to death. The Lord can withdraw from you and leave you a blubbering, sinful 
lustful idiot to do things that you never would have thought you would do. To expose to you and show you your sinfulness and how much you need a Savior. And once he shows you your sinfulness and how much you need a Savior, you can then love that Savior like you should. But I tell you this day, let us save ourselves that trouble and love him right now. By the word of God, by the testimony of the songs that we've sung, let's love him right now because of what the Bible tells us. He's the lover of sinners and he's worthy of every bit of love you can give him. There's no one in this world, heaven or earth, that loves you like the Lord Jesus Christ does. There is so much more that could be said, but that's what I want to say right now.